Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you on the line with us is Dr. Trita Parsi, the executive vice president of the Quincy Institute for Responsible Statecraft. QuincyInst.org is the website or ResponsibleStatecraft.org. And uh, you can tweet him at T. Parsi, P-A-R-S-I. Dr. Parsi, welcome back to the program. The Iran nuclear deal is, I thought this was like one of the major accomplishments of the Obama administration and the world. I mean, this of what, five or six countries who are signatories to this. And we know, you know, Donald Trump tried to blow it up. Where are we at with that? What are the odds that President-elect Biden will bring it back? And what are the potential obstacles to that that Trump might have laid in the path of President Biden? Yes, yeah, so Trump has done everything he can to try to destroy the deal, and he's failed, which tells you something about the political will of the other actors. They all see it, as does the previous administration and the majority of American people, as squarely in the U.S. national interest to continue it. But he's done everything he can. Biden has said that he wants to go back into it, all with the exception of two Democratic candidates for president, said that they would go back to it. It is part of the Democratic platform to rejoin it, and all the major Advisors to Biden have been on record for months now saying that they want to go back into it and that the policies of Trump have been a failure. So I think expectations are high that Biden absolutely has to try to go back to it. And I think actually the political price he will pay is not for trying to go back into it, is if he fails to try to go back into it. But so the what's, Trump administration what's is that? trying to make that more difficult by imposing more sanctions and increasing their collaboration with Israel, Saudi Arabia, and UAE in the next 10 weeks to try to make it as difficult as possible for Trump to be able to rejoin this agreement. This is sort of the anti-Iran coalition. And we just started shipping massive amounts of hardware to the UAE. The UAE and Saudi Arabia, of course, combined to blockade Cutter back when uh, Jared Kushner was looking to borrow a billion dollars to get out of his real estate deal on 666 Fifth Avenue. You know, the blockade ended right around the same time that Jared Kushner got his billion bucks from a fund that with the second largest investor was the Cutter Sovereign Wealth Fund. I mean, there's weird stuff going on in the Middle East. Can you explain the dynamics of all this and how it might be playing out? It's really important that you raise this because we have now, as a result of what they call the peace deal between Israel and UAE, we have six-folded the arm sales to the UAE, gone from roughly four to $24 billion. It's the weirdest peace deal I've ever heard of because usually when you have a peace deal, you have less arm sales, not more. 
This time around, we have six folded into the UAE, and we're going to increase to Israel as well. And if this continues, in which we continue to arm one side of the Middle East to the teeth, and then expect that the other side will not only not try to arm conventionally, but also continue to abide by an agreement that closes off any path they have to a nuclear weapon, then I think that is a really naive calculation. If we want this nuclear deal to work, then it needs to be embedded into a strategic context that makes sense for it to survive, that enables it to survive by making it attractive to both the United States and to the Iranians. And that's not going to be the case if we continue to arm uh, to the teeth so many countries in the Middle East that have their own rivalries with Iran. Is there an international consensus around that? I mean, the grand deal was not a unilateral deal or a, a bilateral deal. The only countries that are on record opposing it is actually Israel, Saudi Arabia, and the UAE. The rest of the world welcome it strongly. It got passed in the UN Security Council 15 to 0. So the idea that it's a controversial deal, it's only been controversial in those three countries and in the U.S. Congress. I mean, is there an international consensus that, you know, maybe arming the UAE like this was not a good idea, that U.S. arms sales or any kind of arms sales to other countries in the region really need to now be incorporated into or considered as part of a renewed Iran nuclear deal? Or is this the sort of thing that we can just like rejoin like the Paris Accords? There is a consensus about rejoining. There's unfortunately not a consensus about armament uh, in the Middle East because almost all of these other countries, Europeans included, like to sell weapons to the Middle East, particularly the Persian Gulf countries that have a higher per capita expenditure on military equipment than any other region of the world. So as long as there is that opportunity to make money off of these oil-rich, gas-rich Arab authoritarian states that love to buy weapons, Unfortunately, we're not going to see an international consensus being built against such arms sales. However, we should be quite clear that we cannot have a massive amount of arms sales and stability at the same time. We have to choose one of the two. Are you sensing any signals or has anybody thrown up any warning flags that Donald Trump, part of his Hail Mary approach as we close in on mid-December when the states have to certify their electoral votes and all this sort of thing, and the election becomes legally real, that one of his strategies might be to create a crisis in the Middle East that would distract us or even provide him with some basis for a state of emergency or what, or, or just good old-fashioned vengeance, that he's dancing to the tune of Saudi Arabia, the UAE, and Israel, and create a confrontation with Iran that could be disastrous? I think, unfortunately, the risk is there. I don't know if it would be because this is something Trump actually wants to do, but rather that at this stage, now when the elections essentially are over, that this would be something that is happening because he's not paying attention to anything than his own political survival. And as a result, those in his administration that have been pushing for a war with Iran or other forms of confrontation have an easier time pushing those things through because Trump is not paying attention and so many other people in the Pentagon have been removed. Um, and at a minimum, what that can lead to is that they're sending signals to other countries, to the Saudis, for instance, that if they were to initiate something, the U.S. would not object to it. That's what I think is the main risk in the next um, two months before inauguration, not necessarily that the U.S. itself were to do something. A war by proxy. Uh, and are we talking about war or are we just talking about conflict? It's unclear. But what we do know is that Elliot Abrams, who is the Iran coordinator for Trump, 
left for Israel, Saudi Arabia, and the UAE on Monday. And then next week, the Undersecretary for Military and Political Affairs from the State Department is going to go to those same three countries, and Pompeo himself is in Israel. So there is an unusual amount of activity with those three countries, and the topic of conversations, according to the U.S. State Department itself, has been Iran and nothing but Iran. So there's clearly a tremendous amount of activity going on, but what can be done, what will be done, what they're really planning to do, we can only speculate about. Is there any call to action to American citizens? Call your members of Congress and say, we really don't want a war with Iran, for example? Or is there any way to stop this, uh, this train? I think it would be very valuable if um, citizens were to make such calls and also make calls and, and saying, uh, expecting Congress to help create political space for a Biden administration to rejoin the nuclear deal, which is the best guarantee we have right now for making sure that there isn't war. Dr. Trita Parsi, the executive vice president of the Quincy Institute for Responsible Statecraft. T. Parsi or Quincy INST are the Twitter handles. Dr. Parsi, thanks for dropping by. It's always informative. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. There's kind of scary stuff going on in Washington, D.C., but scary is the wrong word. Weird. Uh, You know, Trump building a moat around the White House. I doubt it. I'm I'm guessing that it's probably, you know, they're probably replacing a sewer line or something. Maybe Trump's gold toilet got backed up. Maybe he's been eating too much uh, fast food. There was a report last week from a staffer inside the White House that some of the staffers were burning scented candles because the smell was getting pretty bad from all the fast food that Trump was having delivered. Honest to God, I'm not making this up. Maybe they do have to replace the sewer line. God only knows. But anyway, there's that. I don't think he's building a moat. You know, and even if he did, I don't think it would help. That's why we have ladders and planks <laughs> and things like that. John in Stamford, Connecticut. Hey, John, what's up? Frank Flaguzzi on the uh, Nicole Wallace show calls Trump a barricaded subject going back to his FBI days. Okay. So this image that's beamed around the world, how, how do we promote democracy with a barricaded subject in our White House? It's public housing. How do we promote going forward when this nightmare, if and when it ends, how do we promote democracy to the world about voting, about our way of life? after this nightmare. I think you put your finger on what the biggest piece of damage that the Trump administration has done to the United States and to democracy, just to the, to the whole, this whole idea that really began in, what, 1634, I think it was, when John Hobbs, or Thomas Hobbs, rather, published a Leviathan, said that people should be able to rule themselves And, you know, it was like this radical idea that led to the Enlightenment, that led to John Locke talking about life, liberty, and property, that led to Thomas Jefferson writing about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that led to our Constitution, that led to our Republic, that led to, you know, I mean, we were the first advanced democracy in the world, in the modern world. And by the turn of the millennia, by 2000, there were over 100 around the world out of the 200, I think it's 274 countries or something like that around the world. The big battle right now, worldwide, is between countries and people 
who believe in small d democracy, who believe in the context of a constitutional republic, who believe that people should be able to govern themselves and the majority rule is a good thing, you know, within the limits of not infringing the rights of minorities, versus autocracies, oligarchies, autocrats, strongman governments is the general term, who are on the rise, who are on the ascendancy. We've seen strongman, you know, wannabe dictators take over India with Modi, take over Brazil with Bolsonaro, take over the Philippines, on and on and on. And then, you know, in some cases, they've actually flipped them out of democracy altogether, as we see with Hungary, with Viktor Orban. And I think we're watching in Poland with Duda. This is the big battle. And these autocrats, they're saying, hey, you know, democracy fails. Look at what happened in the United States. Democracy failed and, and democracy is not reliable and you really need a strong man to, to control things. So the way that we fix this, uh, to specifically answer your question, the way that we fix this is we heal America. We hold an election and we elect somebody other than the strong man, the wannabe dictator, Donald Trump, and we've done that. We actually install that new president, that would be Joe Biden and his vice president Kamala Harris. We actually install them. We engage in the process of clawing government back from the right-wing billionaires and giant corporations on whose behalf Donald Trump has been governing. And that's going to be the biggest part. That's going to be the most difficult part. That's going to be the part that's going to take at least the next four years. And we try to put into place, and I say try because it's going to be a huge challenge given how the Supreme Court has corrupted our government by, in 1976 and 1978, and then again in 2010 with Citizens United, handing down from high decisions that say, well, you know, if a billionaire wants to own a politician, that's not corruption, that's not bribery, that's free speech. Money is not money, it's speech. Didn't you know that? And then, you know, we get these idiots like Sam Alito, who just gave this uh, speech yesterday to the Federalist Society, a totally partisan, you know, just a hack job. I mean, we've got, we now have people on the Supreme Court who don't believe in democracy, who are, you know, essentially open advocates for oligarchy. So we've got a, we've got a big lift in this country. And before we can start lecturing the world again about democracy, we've got to restore democracy to the United States of America. And that's going to be a huge job. I I think people massively underestimate the damage that Donald Trump has done and the and the corrupt. I mean, everybody knows about Bill Barr and how corrupt he is and how he was corrupt all the way back to 92 when he was working for George Herbert Walker Bush and shut down the Iran-Contra investigation. He is the tip of the iceberg. And, and Trump has buried them all through our government. We got a big job. to the Tom Hartman program. That said, it's a job that I believe we can do if we stay vigilant, stay alert, and stay engaged. Do you think it's even possible that Donald Trump would sell out our national interest, would basically out our spies in Russia or other countries in exchange for cash after the election? Do you think it's possible? And I mean, when we look back at Jared Kushner and the Trump administration supporting Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates, which, by the way, we just sold millions of dollars worth of weaponry to. We are hyper-militarizing the United Arab Emirates. And they participated in this blockade of Qatar. Qatar, then, is the number two investor in this large, you know, their sovereign wealth fund in this large investment fund that gave Jared Kushner, or loaned him, his billion dollars to bail him out. If Joe Biden, when he was president, if his son had said, 
I've got a billion dollar piece of real estate in New York. It's coming due. The debt is coming due. I got no money. Give me a billion dollars. Ukraine gave him a billion dollars and he paid off his property. You think the Republicans might be talking about that? I don't know why the Democrats aren't talking about this. And then over at the New York Times, you got a couple of reporters basically saying that it looks like Trump is getting ready to sell out our spies around the world or our intelligence assets. This is like Tom Clancy novel stuff. I want to highlight this one point. Barry McCaffrey is a distinguished retired general, generally a good guy. He's, he's, he's very concerned. He says, I just listened to Senator Tim Kaine. And now Tim Kaine was basically saying, I'm not worried. You know, we're going to have a transition of power. Everything's going to be fine. Don't freak out. Right. So this is McCaffrey's response. He says, I just listened to Senator. He was on MSNBC yesterday saying this. I just listened to Senator Tim McCain, the Democrat from Virginia, wonderful, experienced, mature guy, say that this is just payback to Mark Esper for not being a loyalist. I don't believe it. We are watching a setup of some people who are unqualified for office to be in control of the 2.1 million men and women of the armed forces. And I remind viewers, the only one who can give orders to the armed forces is the president or the secretary of defense. He said, uh, this acting secretary, Chris Miller, is a perfectly good experienced combat soldier, but he's unqualified for this office. The other three, one of them retired one star, is a dangerous man, Mr. Tata, who called Barack Obama a Muslim and a terrorist while he was president. He said, these people are there to control a coercive institution of U.S. democracy. That would be the military, coercive. Why? They're, they're armed. And then his last words of General Barry McCaffrey, watch out. That's rather unnerving. Um, but, you know, hey, it's going to be a, a nail-biting two and a half months. But that said, I'm generally optimistic that we're going to make it through this. Dave in Las Vegas. Hey, Dave, what's on your mind today? How imperative is it now that we make it mandatory for any candidate to submit their tax returns before they run to office? I agree with you. And that's the kind of thing that Congress could actually make into law that I think might survive a First Amendment challenge, make it a procedural thing. Although, you know, it's possible that the Supreme Court would blow it up and say, no, you can't do that. But that said, whether we put it into law or not, I'm guessing that future presidential elections, it's going to be a much bigger deal than it has been in the past. Now that we realize that we've got a grifter in the White House who's a billion dollars in debt, 400 million of it personally guaranteed. And, you know, he has squeezed over 100 million dollars out of the U.S. Treasury that has gone directly into Trump properties over a four year period. He's been traveling on his uh, airplane all around the world campaigning. Traditionally, when uh, presidents use Air Force One to campaign, they reimburse the federal government for those expenses. Trump hasn't even bothered, no accounting of this at all. He has not just pushed the boundaries, he has crashed the boundaries of legality, propriety, and frankly, everything else. So uh, I'm with you. Meg in Lexington, Virginia. Hey, Meg, what's on your mind? So I am very concerned about this Proud Boy March. I'm hearing this. And I'm off. The word on the street is, quote unquote, Trump is hoping that people will go to protest the Proud Boys, hoping that there will be some kind of civil unrest or some kind of violence, in which case he could declare martial law 
and continue to be president. My question is, A, is that true? And B, if he is able to be president, how long would we be stuck with him? What I've heard, and I do take it serious, I don't dismiss these reports and concerns, is that Trump has brought up the Insurrection Act of 18-whatever it was, 1803 or 1807, which allows the federal government basically to militarize, at the federal level, to militarize our country and put down an insurrection and declare a state of emergency and perhaps suspend elections. It's not, that, that's not in the Insurrection Act, but Trump, or at least some people around Trump, don't know specifically who, but I would put Stephen Miller at the top of that list, think that they might of be able course. to pull it off and they might be able to get the Supreme Court to help them out. I'm very skeptical that even the Supreme Court would go along with that. I'm very skeptical that the military would go along with that. The thing that really encourages me is General Mark Milley. He is the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He is the most senior military official short of the Secretary of Defense in the United States. He gave a speech at the Pentagon just a couple of days ago. He said, we are unique among militaries. We do not take an oath to a king or a queen, a tyrant or a dictator. We do not take an oath to an individual. We take an oath to the Constitution, and we will protect and defend that document regardless of personal price. That's an amazing thing to say, and, and, and it really speaks to the brilliance of the framers of the Constitution that the Constitution, you know, in, in other countries, people take an oath to the nation. And so any new, any new leader comes along and says, I'm in charge of the nation, so I represent the nation, so you took an oath to me. And of course, in dictatorships, you take an oath to the dictator. But in the United States, and we were unique among nations in the world in this regard, I mean, literally unique, even including the, the Roman Republic and the Greek democracies, to be the first country that was founded on an idea where the idea of a pluralistic a democratic republic where the elected officials take an oath not to the country not to the leader but to the idea and I mean what an incredible thing and so here we've got the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff saying I'm still with this and he's the only guy in the senior military leadership that Trump has not replaced there are people who are concerned that Trump's decapitation of the Pentagon has been in preparation for the scenario that you're describing Meg whether it's this weekend or whether it's next oh weekend God. or whether they keep trying over and over and over again I don't know if that's the case none of us know but I do know that there are Republicans who are starting to push back and I think if Trump tried to do something like that that would be the one that would push it over the top there's also a story over at rawstory.com that Trump is building a moat around the White House right now. They're digging this trench, apparently, oh around God. the White House. And it's like, oh what are they going to do, put alligators in it? He's got his non-scalable wall up right now. So, I mean, he's going full dictator. I don't think it's going to work for okay. him. I, I would assign the possibility of it working for him at less than 1%. Probably five weeks ago, I would have said less than 10%. I think it's diminishing every day. But on the other hand, I've gotten 12 emails since I went to sleep last night from Trump, from his campaign, from Freedom Works, and from other right-wing groups saying that the Democrats are trying to steal the election and Joe Biden and, you know, election fraud, blah, 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 blah. I mean, they're doing everything they can to attack our democracy. They are, they make no bones about it. These guys like, like that idiot Ron Johnson, they are literally attacking our democracy, uh, the idea of our democracy by saying that we're not going to take seriously the will of the people in an election. It's obscene, but I don't think it's going to work. So Meg, thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for that call. I just want to emphasize what I just said, the importance of the idea of America, the importance of America being viewed as, as a concept, 
this idea of democracy. We can't ever let go of this. This is the great strength of America. This is what kept us through the Civil War. This is what kept us through World War I and World War II and the Great Depression. And this is what will keep us through this crisis of the Trump presidency. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. A moat around the White House? Really? Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Just head over to netsuite.com Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com Hartman. That's netsuite.com Hartman. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Robert in Montclair, California. Hey, Robert, thanks for watching us on YouTube. What's on your mind today? I work in the uh, Painters uh, Union, and uh, most of my uh, partners, they're uh, Republicans. There's other departments here, but on that department, mostly Republicans. And uh, we are here when Trump won in the beginning. You know, they were happy, but they're not happy now. You know, they're good guys. I work with these guys. They're my friends. We get along. And I think by listening to your show, I learned not to get triggered. I don't get triggered. I'm 50 years old. I've been painting a long time. But I noticed the millennials around here, Democrat millennials, they get very easily triggered. And these guys are triggering them, you know, by telling them that they haven't won the race. So they're going around telling me, hey, man, what are you, what's wrong? Why can't you stand up and tell these guys who won? I go, I'm not going to tell them. There's, there's no need to tell these guys who won. We already know who won. And so mm-hmm. they're all getting triggered and worried. But these guys, when they talk to me, Tell me, what's your opinion? Well, my opinion is that the race is over. We won. And then why? I go, well, because the states counted. Everything's out. The, the news media. Yeah, more than 5 million states. votes. Yeah. So the, to the media are just, you know, they're just uh, announcing who won. They're not declaring mm-hmm. it. The states declared it. That's all. That was that was just a simple yeah. answer. And so they they take it further. Like, well, they're cheating. I go, well, there's no evidence. So... There's no evidence, and uh, and by the way, I mean, and by the way, in daytime, how come you don't like Trump? Well, I don't like Trump because first of all, he's calling, he says things like the Democrats are radical. I go, when in the who in the world says that? It's just a political party. No one says mm-hmm. the Democrats don't say the right wing are radical. It's just a political party. It's an election. It's over, and let's get on with it with our lives. But the mood, yeah. they're happy. Everybody's happy here, but it's starting to change a little bit. Everyone's kind of scratching the head, worried. 
I work in the school district, and uh, I start, I've been painting since two, since '89, and uh, I got into the International Union Painters. Crazy, Tom. You know, I yeah. don't care. It's over. I don't care what the news say. It's over, and it, there's not going to be no coup. There's not going to be no coup. When the when 2000 and then 2021, when Biden gets sworn in, it doesn't have to be in the White House. He'll be sworn in properly. Uh, you know, Trump will be out of there. I'm convinced that Trump is going to leave the White House long before January 20th because he just doesn't want to have anything to do with that transition. He can't deal with it. You know, the guy's a sore loser. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. Robert. That's what I tell these guys. He's, I he's tell a the millennials, little tell- sore loser. Yes, I do. I do tell the millennials here, the younger guys who work in other departments. Cheer up, man. Jump up. We won. It's over. Yeah. It's over. Yeah, just tell him, you know, Trump is going to put on his his one-inch lifts in his shoes. He's going to put on his girdle. He's going to put on his Depends. And he's going to hop on Air Force One and take it down to Mar-a-Lago. And that'll be the end of that. Exactly. Exactly. We'll be done with it. Charles in Miami, Florida. Hey, Charles, what's up? The Secretary of State Pompeo making the comment about there's not going to be any concern of Donald Trump. They're going right along with transitioning for his next four years. He clearly stated this. My concern is, is that my jaw dropped as a political science professor. I teach federal government, and my jaw dropped when I heard Pompeo make this statement. And I'm surprised that no one else is alarmed by this. Am I the only one that doesn't know something that's going to take place in January? Like there's still going to be this transition where we're a transition of power switching over to Biden's administration. Or is there something that is there a loophole that I'm missing out? Because he seemed very confident that Donald Trump is going to stay in office for the next four years. Yeah, John Roberts is not going to swear in Donald Trump for a second term. What Pompeo was doing, keep in mind, Pompeo used to be a Republican member of the House of Representatives. He was a member of the so-called Freedom Caucus. I call them the Cokehead Caucus because they most of them only exist and only get reelected because they're taking all this money from Charles Koch and his friends through the Koch network. He spent his life, Mike Pompeo, being basically an ass, being one of these, you know, pompous, loudmouth, brash. He's a very smart guy. You know, he's intellectually very smart. I think emotionally he's rather stunted. But but he spent his life being one of those guys, one of those Jim Jordan kind of guys, quote, owning the libs. And this was his attempt to own the libs or own the media. Oh, I'll create some hysteria. I'm going to tell, uh, you know, it was a joke, Charles, and, and it was improper The secretary of state shouldn't be telling such jokes. It was a sign that he does not respect his office. But, you know, that's true of Republicans in general. I mean, ever since Reagan, they they don't respect the government of the United States. They don't they don't believe the government can do anything good. That You know, billionaires should run everything and big corporations. But I think that that was more just a reflection of Pompeo's personality as a professional ass. Does that make sense? Makes a lot of sense, and I'm very gullible, so I, I, I pretty much fall for a lot of things unless I have. <laughs> so he got you. Yeah, well, yeah, he got you. Take a breath. I think it's going to be okay. I realize that they are still talking to Republicans in various states about trying to get their electoral votes and all that kind of stuff, but I just don't think the math is there. And you got a couple of Democratic governors who could firewall this stuff. Um, oh, okay. I, you know, I'm very expecting good. a mess. But as I said on this program yesterday. 
I think they're trying to figure out how far they can push stealing an election through the Electoral College for 2024, for putting Tom Cotton in as, as the actual next dictator of the United States. In 2000, they discovered how far they could push the Electoral College. You know, uh, Al Gore won the election by a half a million votes, and yet, the, you know, they still installed George W. Bush in the White House. So, and in, in 2016, arguably the same thing. Charles, I, I, you know, it's just a scam. It, that's all it is. Charles, thanks for the call. Eric in Erie, Pennsylvania. Hey, Eric, what's on your mind today? Thanks hey for there, good speech. afternoon, Tofu Turkey Tom. I, uh, I got a question that I'm, I'm kind of surprised is in coming up a lot, the costs that we, the taxpayers, are bearing. There's going to have to be a tabulation, especially now that they're talking about a lame duck rally for lawyer money. Air Force One, Air Force Two, the Trump children, they racked up a lot of costs on the taxpayers using government equipment for exclusively campaign activity. I mean, historically, you know, a president campaigning while in Air Force One might step off to the side and say something related to the campaign while flying to a destination for official business. But this is fossil fuels burned up. Right. The tradition has been if there's no official business, the campaign reimburses the government for that use yeah. of Air Force One and at the very Holly. least. And that, yeah, I mean, that certainly has God, not been happening. Didn't. Plus, over $100 million has been transferred from the pockets of the taxpayers into various Trump properties as he has been traveling around the country, playing and, golf and things. Tom, here in Erie, Pennsylvania, um, our COVID number was a steady single to low double-digit number from February until August. And then it started going 20s, maybe 30 on a high day. For the last six weeks, we've been in the 50s, and yesterday was our first 123. And there were four Trump stops here in Erie in October. So I think the whole use of the planes thing... I think he may be setting up for the moneymaker after he's out of office. I think it might be the ungrateful deadbeat as a touring act. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That was worthy of Phil Proctor. Yeah. High on Adderall, that's pharmaceutical cocaine. Donnie Trump, yeah. you better pay your bills. There you go. <laughs> In direct answer to your question, I don't know of any activity to hold them accountable right now, but you know, one can hope because as you have so clearly pointed out, it's egregious what this guy is doing. Jerry in Kent, Washington. Hey, Jerry, what's up? Hey, thanks for taking my call, Tom. I'm a retired RN. In the last 10 years of my working life, I worked in various lockdown psych facilities. And for the last two and a half years, I've come to the conclusion that Trump is a full-blown psychopath. And in fact, I think he suffers from cluster B personality disorder. And I was just wondering what your opinion would be on my I theory. agree with you, and so does pretty much every psychologist or psychiatrist that I've had on this program yeah. in the last four years. Nobody read, is pushing back on that. Yeah, I read Mary's book when I found out she mm-hmm. was a clinical psychologist. You know, I bought it in a heartbeat, and I found it an interesting read. But, I mean, I'm... It's yeah, a chilling book. Good. Yeah, you think? <laughs> this guy has his finger on the nuclear button, you know? I know. Yeah, it is scary, and, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, I, but, yes, I, I agree with your uh, diagnosis, Jerry, your analysis. Anyway, I completely agree. Thank you very much for the call. 
we can't get rid of this guy fast enough. I mean, you know, January 20th is just way too long away from, from my taste. Dave in Houston, Texas. Hey, Dave, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom. Uh, you know, there's this call from uh, some of your hosts to let for the Democrats to come out and say we won the election fair and square and to stop just staying silent. I emailed Chuck Schumer. He lives in New York. I live in Houston. I wanted to reach out to some uh, de- Democratic leaders to, you know, get them to that rally cry to, you know, stand up for it. And uh, well, Schumer has said that it's the Republicans who are refusing to acknowledge it, Dave. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I know. But the Democrats, they were saying the Democrats, you know, one of your hosts was saying they're staying silent. They're not saying anything. Maybe that was, you know, two days ago. I that. Yeah, that's not been uh, you know, I can't speak for any of the other hosts here on Sirius XM. But that that uh, has not been what I've been hearing. What I've been hearing is a lot of yelling and screaming and, you know, hey, you guys. And what's what's wrong with you idiots? And, you know, I mean, they're they're not using quite that language, but I certainly would. Uh, You know, the Democrats are speaking out. The problem is that, you know, we still have this, if it bleeds, it leads media mentality. As long as Donald Trump's circus is more entertaining than Chuck Schumer reading a script in a boring monotone on the floor of the Senate, that, you know, the TV cameras are always going to go to Donald Trump. And he knows that. I mean, he, he, he spent, what, eight, 10 years with NBC uh, with a coach teaching him how to do reality television. He really knows how to do it. And he does a very good job of it. It's insane what he does, but he's very good at being a TV star. It's, it's basically, he's been training his whole life for it. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's the problem is our media is not letting that message through. It's just like, you know, people call up when, when I've got Ro Khanna or Pramila Jayapal or Mark Pocan on, the three primary leaders of the Progressive Caucus, and they'll say, well, why aren't you guys holding press conferences and talking about your progressive agenda? And they're like, we hold a press conference every damn week where, you know, one of us is speaking out almost every day. It just doesn't get covered because they're, they're not pulling out a blowtorch and setting their hair on fire. So... Uh, it's, I mean, you know, this is a, a real problem that we have with our media, Dave. But the problem is these Republicans. I mean, Ron Johnson, the stupidest man in the United States Senate, was asked by a reporter yesterday, are you going to congratulate Biden? And he said no. And the reporter said, why? And he said, you know, what's there to congratulate him for? Well, I mean, honest to God, Ron Johnson is not just the stupidest man in the United States Senate, although Tommy Tuberville is, is uh, you know, close behind. The guy who was just elected, who beat Doug Jones down in Alabama, tweeted yesterday that his father fought in World War II to defeat socialism. And, I, and I'm like, whoa, we fought in World War II to defeat fascism, right-wing government, not left-wing government. In fact, our ally was the USSR. Our ally was, was uh, Medicare for all England. It's, it's like, right. oh my God, these Republicans, they don't even go to high school. Or at least they didn't pay attention. Probably most of them are rich like Donald Trump and paid somebody else to take their damn tests. Christopher in Vancouver, Washington. Hey, Christopher, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, thanks for taking my call. I just had some thoughts, and this is kind of the, the image I've had in my mind, and, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. I don't hope it's, I'm not a conspiracy guy, but with Trump, you don't know what he's going to do. I just had this image in my mind where he's in a plane. Now, I don't know if he's going to be in, it, in his own plane with the big letters Trump or Air Force One or leasing a jet of some sort on his way to Russia. And I have had this vision in my mind where F-16s are surrounding the plane and pointing to the pilot to land, to land the plane. <laughs> so, but uh, 
Would do you think I think that- if he flees the country, in all probability, during a Biden administration, that Joe Biden will just let him go. Don't chase him or ask him to, to land. Yeah, just let him go into exile. And frankly, if it looks like he's about to go to jail, he's a flight risk. This guy is really rich. He may even have multiple passports. His wife and son both have Slovenian passports yeah. as well as American passports. I think it probably well, it might be a matter of public record if Trump ever applied for a Slovenian passport, but he probably wouldn't, right. you know, it would take him 15 minutes to get one. Would you? Uh, you know, or maybe all three of them are going to apply for, for uh, residence in one of the other countries. There are a few Caribbean islands or, or islands, not, not, I don't think they're all in the Caribbean, where uh, you can buy citizenship, essentially. And, uh, you know, billionaires have done that. I, you know, I, I, I believe Peter yeah. Thiel has New Zealand citizenship, for example. You know, one of the guys who made his fortune, I think, with eBay and, and Google, as I recall. Oh, well, and, do, you know, you think, do you think that, do you think that, that Trump would be so bold to steal Air Force One? <laughs> No, no. I, you know, it, it's people have this apocalyptic notion of Donald Trump, you know, uh, doing a Rambo routine, you know, staying at the White House, barricaded in and shooting anybody who's trying to come in and get him and all. That's not going to happen. He's, he's probably going to leave the White House and go down to Mar-a-Lago either for Thanksgiving or Christmas and just not come back. That's my prediction. My wife yeah. thinks the same, same thing. That that's what it'll do. But it's going to be an interesting scenario. To say the very least, I I absolutely agree. Thanks a lot for the call, Christopher. Good to hear from you. Shirley in Gladstone, Michigan. Hey, Shirley, what's on your mind? I'm calling regarding the two-and-a-half-month gap between the end of the election and the transfer of power to the president-elect. I was listening to a podcast that Norm Ornstein was on, and he said that this is totally unnecessary, that other countries do an almost instant transfer. This is giving Trump the opportunity to do all kinds of mischief, to destroy evidence. And I just don't understand why this country never anticipates anything, and we have to be at a near crisis before... They're aware of what's going on. It's built into the Constitution, surely. Originally, it was in March when the new president was sworn in. And that changed in 19, right after the election of 1932 because it took FDR five, six months to get sworn in. And the crisis got so bad that they amended the Constitution. And I think it should be amended again. You, that's a great point. Shirley, thank you. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Meanwhile, General Barry McCaffrey says that there is a coup going on in the White House. I agree that Trump is trying to stage one. I don't think he's going to pull it off. What do you think? John in Hillsborough, Oregon. Hey, John, what's on your mind today? Okay, you know, you started talking about the red states and the bottom five or six or seven being mostly in the old confederacy. Well, I just want to just give a little bit of social cultural interaction I've had with Arkansas and Georgia, because I have relatives in both. And I'm just going to make it quick. And um, when I was in Arkansas, this is about 20 years ago, but I, whatever, was talking to one cousin who was a school teacher in Mariana taught in four cities. So I was saying, well, why don't you just, you know, teach school where you, where you live? And they, well, here's the word, retribution, get back. And she gives a bad grade to a student. Some of her property will be vandalized or her herself. She'll get slugged in the face. Okay. 
60 miles a little bit west outside Pine Bluff, Arkansas. I have a relative there who was a manager of the Department of Human Services, Jefferson County. We went there. He had to do some work when we were there. Security guard comes up, tells him there's a problem in the parking lot. We went out there, and Arkansas Human Services mobile area, like the cars, they had all their windshields busted in. And you could see in the cyclone fence where somebody had cut the cyclone fence and snuck in there with a crowbar or baseball bat and did a number of all the automobiles there. Well, as we were going down the hall to see this situation, I noticed that one of the, well, doors had a little bit of uh, information, you know, child support. <laughs> so I kind of was putting that together. I didn't really confront my cousin about it. But So you think that the vandal was somebody who uh, lost custody of a kid or something like yeah, that? Yeah, because yeah, this is, a, yeah, they had, you know, like food stamps there, um, child support, things like that. So what I'm just So what's the point you're making, John? Well, I'm just saying that the culture down there is like really get back and it's really kind of simple if you do something that harms me i'm just going to take the law into my own hands and do it um right. that kind of stuff that's yeah. why I'm. yeah this is what you get in. when people don't have good jobs when they don't have good incomes when they don't have good education well, they turn on each other and they don't have yeah and they don't have the core basic social structural supports that keep people whole keep families together you know give people self-respect no, the whole racial thing is still there part of it yeah hang around with blacks their behavior is contagious and their problems become your problem welding instructor alex declare knows vr training platforms like forge fx help students master their skills there's a big learning curve with welding virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. And welcome back. Anthony in Detroit. Hey, Anthony, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. How are you doing? Yeah, um, like uh, you were just, I don't know if everyone heard it, but the book you were just reading, you know, or something said about past presidents holding them accountable, you know, stopping another Trump thing. And so I do agree with you. I think Joe Biden or anyone, they're just kind of kind of going to let him slide or let him go in exile, whatever Trump that is. So my question is, I obviously believe that Trump would then try to do some kind of media venture, say the TV show or a network. And uh, what, what, if that happened from Russia or wherever, Facebook Live, well, what kind of form do you think that would take? Would he have a game show? Would he have a talk show? QVC? What kind of network or show would Trump start in his post-presidency? My guess, Anthony, is it's going to be a little bit of all of the above, that he's going to start a television network, that it's going to live online, it's going to be subscription-based. Um, there's a lot of money to be made here. You've got NBC doing this now with Peacock. You've got Fox News is doing it with Fox Nation, six bucks a month to join Fox Nation. 
Other networks are doing it you know, with their own particular brands. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not all that familiar with them. And you can make good money this way. I mean, if he can get a couple of million people to give him 10 bucks a month, if he just gets 2 million people to give him $10 a month for his TV network, and frankly, I think he'll probably, I mean, 70 million people voted for him. If he can, if he can get 10 million people to give him $10 a month, that's $100 million a month. That's $1.2 billion a year just in income from a television network. And I'm guessing that, you know, they're going to fill 24 hours of content. I'm guessing they will probably have all of the above. They'll have something like, you know, The View or The Five or whatever. They'll have talk shows. They will have probably comedy. They'll probably have a sales show. Ivanka might have her very own little QVC show on it. Donald Trump, of course, will, you know, have his show. That's what I see happening. And frankly, think that not all of what Donald Trump is doing right now is to try and keep him in the White House until, you know, for another four years. I think much of it started out that way, but I think within a few days he figured out he's got to come up with plan B. What's the next grift going to be? How's he going to continue making money? And I think he's figured it out. And I think that this is it. We're hearing leaks from all over the place suggesting that this is exactly what's going on. Whether he can succeed or not, and whether he can become a kingmaker or not, and whether he gets marginalized politically or not are all things that are up in the air. And we'll see. Mike in Woodstock, Georgia. Hey, Mike, what's on your mind? He's not going to be able to run any network from prison. He's got so many things going against him. Stacey Abrams has that the organization there better than any place in the country. And just because they're not having rallies, they're not having rallies because they're intelligent. They don't want to kill their own voters. You do. Right. When you hold rallies, you spread the disease. They actually have some morals and some character in the Democratic Party. Another thing about Stacey Abrams and Atlanta, they need to sandblast all those racist faces off of Stone Mountain, and they need to recarve Martin Luther King, John Lewis, and Stacey Abrams. Yeah, that which would be arguably a very good thing. By the way, fairfight.com, the .org will get you a security alert. I, it makes me crazy when people don't get both domains. But anyhow, it's .com, fairfight.com, is Stacey Abrams' organization in Georgia. If you want to support the work she's doing, which is really, really important work, get over there and, and toss them some money. Mike, thanks a lot for the call. Scott in Atlanta, my old stomping grounds. Hey, Scott, what's up? Yes, there are boots on the ground for John Ossoff and uh, Rafi Warnock. Stacey Abrams is doing quite a bit, as your previous caller had noted, and I believe the event that is going on is on the 17th, if I'm not mistaken. 17th of November. Exactly. Actually, I don't have the uh, information in front of me. I was going to look that up as I was on hold, and probably the Democrats are using different media than the Republicans are using, uh, which, you know, they typically Mm -hmm. use broadcast media more, so... But at any rate, I wanted to help put that caller's mind at ease that there are people actively working. Thank you, Scott. I I really do appreciate it. Uh, Nancy in Oaklawn, Illinois. Hey, Nancy, what's up? You're much more confident than I am. I'm so tired of this. I've been listening to you from day one. I've learned so much, all the political stuff and everything from you. But I'll tell you, it just drives me crazy that the Democrats still don't know how to fight. There's no way that we should have had Mitch McConnell or Lindsey Graham in office right now. Well, not right now, but you know what I mean? Uh, Mm -hmm. And two things that are really driving me crazy. I've learned a lot from you. I know that it's not going to change overnight. I'm sure I'm a little older than you. I've been voting for like 50 years now, and I still don't feel I've ever been represented. And 
they never give you the best candidate. And I'll tell you what the base problem is, because I know I'm going to keep fighting to my death for my kids and my grandkids. It's not going to change in my lifetime. I know that, but I'm going to keep fighting. And thank God for Stacey Abrams. I wish we had about a million more of her. But, you know, if they don't get that Senate, there's three things that really drive me crazy. I did not hear anything literally. Well, maybe not literally, but I hardly heard anything about Mitch McConnell. If they would have ignored Trump and put half that energy towards Mitch McConnell and beat him like a drum. Well, I think if they had had a truly progressive candidate going up against him, it would have been a whole different thing. And and this is the thing. I mean, you know, the the essentially veto power over who gets to be a Senate candidate is Chuck Schumer. And well, uh, the, you know, it's, it's, what about it's, it's problematic. Too? We can say that without the progressives, Democrats wouldn't have won anything and Joe Biden wouldn't be in office. But you can also oh, exactly. say that without the corporate Democrats, Joe Biden wouldn't be in office either. We've got to right. figure out a way to coexist. You know, we also need to figure out a way to convince a lot of these uh, corporate Democrats that they can, if they choose to, they can succeed taking large numbers of small donations and, you know, set aside their, their right. corporate Bernie donors Sanders and build that kind of thing. Bernie proved yeah, proved and, 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 the, and the mythology among the more corporate Democrats is that, well, those are the exceptions. Yes, you can get a lot of people. If you're a superstar like AOC, you can get a lot of people to support you. What they're missing is that the reason AOC is a superstar is because she's saying what people want to hear. She's addressing the actual needs of people. Right. And that's what Bernie Sanders Here's is doing, the addressing the actual needs of people rather than high sounding rhetoric about democracy or rather than trashing Donald Trump as a Nazi or a fascist. They're saying right. we need everybody in America to be able to get a college education regardless of their income or their family's wealth. We need everybody in America to be able to get high quality health care immediately regardless of their station in life. We need everybody in America to be able to get a good job and one of the best ways to get good jobs is to rebuild our infrastructure in a way that is not dependent on fossil fuels. And that's the Green New Deal. I mean, this is pretty straightforward stuff. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Well, this is interesting. Donald Trump forced out the assistant director for cybersecurity at the Department of Homeland Security. What the hell? Jeannie in Nagadoshi's, uh, Nag- how do you say that, hey. Jeannie, in Texas? Hey, Tom. I had an incident happen this morning. I had my oxygen had to be replaced, and I recently turned 86. And so bear with me. (laughs) He said, how are you doing today? And I said, well, since when Trump gets out there, I'll really be doing good. And uh, I said, listen, I want to talk to you about something. I said, he was a man of color. And I said, I wish that they would stop saying Black Lives Matter and so on and so forth. If... I said, if I could show you how I lived and how I grew up, and I have pictures of the house before I refinished it. And just please think that. And I love you, and I have memories of black friends that I can't see anymore. And when I had, oh, Biden was running, and I had my signs in front of my house. I'm in a very rural area. I said I would take them in at night, and I would place them in the yard where that they couldn't, if they shot, that wouldn't 
shots wouldn't go through the house because that's what we're dealing with in Texas. If it isn't guns, it's religion, and I just hate where it's going. I absolutely do, and hopefully we'll have some change soon. I think you're right. I, I actually think that change is happening. I think it's happening all around us. And I think that what we're seeing right now with Donald Trump and with these right-wing uh, so-called militia groups, these, these basically white supremacist gangs and thugs, is a reaction. Our, you know, electing a black president is what really, uh, you know, kind of triggered these poor, pathetic, right, you know, white supremacist snowflakes. It's going to be a while. Uh, you know, we're going to have to work through this. Jeannie, thank you for the call. I'm glad you got your oxygen changed out there. Hey, Norma in Montgomery, Alabama. Norma, what's on your mind today? Do you remember when Ben Carson was making statements about how he didn't need government handouts because they lived in, you know, they took care of themselves, but, you know, they lived in government housing, but he said they did everything and took care of themselves. Do you remember that? Right. I do. Okay. He made those comments because they were making changes in the uh, allotment for federal housing money, the money for utilities, the SNAP. Right, which he is in charge of now. Yes. And all of that went into that budget in 2018. And I believe, if I am correct, and I'm not crazy, all of that goes into effect in January along with all of those tax cuts that the Trump people have forgotten about. They didn't read the bills, you know. You mean so the tax increases on people making less than 70000 bucks a year? Yeah, all of that goes the, into effect. The, the Their taxes in. all go up. And all of these people in Kentucky who voted for Mitch McConnell are about to find out that they've lost their federal housing money, their heating money, their SNAP cards, their WIC programs. All of this stuff that hmm. they have depended on is now going to go away. And I don't know how much they have taken out of school lunches. I know that they killed Michelle Obama's healthy lunch program. And so next year, when Biden is president, they're going to turn around and yell, see there, Trump was better. And like Rokana was talking about, we need to get this out. And I don't understand why they haven't, because this is one of the things that I teach all the time. You know, this is what they did to you. And this is what you don't know about. And sometimes I get the result of, you know, kill the messenger and I run. (laughs) But, yeah, uh, yeah, it's just these people have watched Fox to the point where they are brainwashed. And we're going to have to help them. I don't know how, but explain to them this is what happened. It's like that guy that was talking about trying to teach people. And until we can get rid of Fox News, make it illegal here like it is in other countries, we don't have a chance of getting anywhere. Other countries have kicked Fox out, and it needs to be done because it's anti-American. Yeah, well, so did England. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but Rupert Murdoch has uh, Sky News, doesn't he? Doesn't he own Sky in in the U.K.? I don't know. But wasn't there an un-American act back in the 50s with all the communist scares and stuff? Did that ever? Yeah, yeah, there were, but it's a very delicate, uh, and that's a very dangerous line to, to, to even yeah. approach, Norma, because when the government gets in the business of deciding what is and isn't acceptable speech, beyond obvious things like, you know, death threats and obscenities, when the government gets in that business and then you get somebody in charge of the government like Donald Trump, really bad things can happen. So, uh, you know, well, I'm a big advocate of the Well, hasn't he been in charge of Fox? Hasn't he essentially owned Fox for four years? Yeah, but my point is that he could, you know, if progressive 
media was big in the United States, was, you know, if, if free speech TV was anywhere near as big as Fox, I could imagine Donald Trump going after them if there was a law that allowed the federal government to regulate the content of broadcasting or going after Sirius XM's Progress Channel, Progress 127. I don't want to see that happening. But, but so, I, you know, any conversation about banning or getting rid of Fox or any of these other things, I'm very wary of. I think what we need to do is wake people up so that they realize when they're listening to right-wing hate radio or when they're watching Fox News, they're not always getting the entire story. In fact, more often than not, they're not getting the entire story. And it's not that these folks just make stuff up out of whole cloth. I mean, there is some of that, but that's really the minority. Mostly it's there's there's four or five pieces to the story that give you a rounded understanding of what's happening and they'll pick out one little piece and say this is what it's all about it's like you know kelly loffler just rolled out a bunch of ads in georgia against ralph warnock against reverend warnock the black pastor who she's running against for the united states senate and what's she including in that uh she's got a little clip of a speech that he gave after a police officer had killed a young black man in which he said you know some of these police seem to have the mentality of thugs and then she's got a clip from reverend wright the chicago pastor that was barack obama's pastor that they tried to turn this into a whole kerfuffle when he said gd america and that's her ad you know it's you know 15 seconds out of the life of reverend wright and 15 seconds out of the entire career of ralph warnock so taking one little piece and pounding and pounding and then and then she's interspersing that with pictures of black people looting stores you know and and with cities in the background on fire this is what they do it's perception management and it's propaganda exactly but i'm just one person and i can only talk so much each day like you know and um so teaching these people that they have been misled is hard but I don't yeah. know if there's anything that can ever be done. And no, I don't want censorship, particularly not of free speech TV. I cannot afford to yeah. lose free speech TV or I'll go insane. <laughs> but I don't know what you know we can do, because when you start talking to someone who supported Trump, my neighbor came over here and cussed me out because I had a Doug Jones sign in my yard and called me a communist because it still had a Bernie sticker on the truck. You know, and mm. that's what I live with. And yet he does not read. He does not. He does not understand anything. And yet he comes over here and chewed me out because an, another neighbor cut a tree down and said, "Why didn't you stop him?" I said, "It's not my business." But this right. standard white man feels like he can yell at me for anything. But you cannot talk yeah. to these Trump people, and it is going to be a big problem. And it's going to be crawling our way up the hill, you know, pushing a snowball. But it's got to be done. While Trump was president and Trump had power, he had momentum. Now that he is widely believed not to be president, and certainly after January 20th, when he's no longer president, that momentum is going to vanish. And it's starting to vanish, showing up in opinion polls right now, that people who thought they were Republicans or were Trump supporters just two weeks ago, they're having second thoughts. So, you know, I'm encouraged by that. But keep the faith, Norma, and keep up, keep up the great work teaching people. Thank you so much for the call. Exposing the con in conservative right here. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 